You look just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm J.B. Wagner. And I'm Eddie Ferguson. And on today's episode, there ain't no mountain high enough as we review Remember the Titans. But first, J.B., how are you and the family doing? Most of us are okay, but we had uh, a big injury if you will say <laughs> today oh. in a fir- in a first time thing uh we were over at um actual big in- injury or was this like a toddler th- with things I mean, that's still, a big like, injury like if this thing happened to me i would also be a little okay. upset i don't know if we'd be re- recording right now maybe maybe <laughs> my leg would probably be propped up or something uh but yeah. we went over to uh um my mother-in-law's house for uh, her rental house where she was fixing that up to put that on the market. And uh, we were just playing around and we brought the kids over there and Rise were about to leave. We're like, okay, let's go outside and play. They wanted to play outside for a little bit. So yeah, outside the house and my son's just running around. And then all of a sudden he starts like, like yelling, screaming, like my leg, my leg, my leg. And at first we think it's like a scrape or something like that. It's like, oh no, we pulled over. But then we look down and it's like a perfect circle like a perfect little indentation right there and we realized that he had gotten stung by a wasp oh first time i I don't know how you remember getting stung by anything when you were bad yeah it was her almost horrific it was like you are convinced they are going to have to chop this thing off yeah there's just no way i can live yeah First time he's experienced anything with this amount of pain before. Like I even think in my head, like he's scraped and he's got like, but this is like prolonged. It takes a while. So we're putting like, we're at the house. There's nothing to really to help salve it or anything like that. So we're like trying to put stuff on it and it was crazy, but he finally calmed down. He's, I think he's now in bed now, but the first thing, Eddie, do you remember what this, what this, what memory this triggered for me from our, from our, when you, when you got bees stuck in your pants at recess in first grade. Yep. And I just distinctly remember you like crying uh, outside our classroom because they you couldn't get them out. Not specifically. So specifically, the the memory is then me having to go into the bathroom stall and stand yes. on the toilet with my pants. Pants on the ground. <laughs> so I told him that story and it made him feel a little bit better. And he chuckled a little bit. That's how I kind of soothed him a little bit to make him feel a little bit better. But I knew you would remember that story. I was like, I do. I do. First grade, man. That was all the, all the feels. But enough about me. Here's something interesting to share with you this week. Uh, so one story that just came out last week was evidently there's been some unrest for all the visual effects artists that have been working on some of the Marvel films recently. There's a subreddit, uh, VFX subreddit, that people have been kind of venting their frustrations on there. Mm. Uh, a lot of people kind of telling, not crazy horror stories, not like sweatshop things, but just like crazy expectations, constantly changing uh things that they were being required to do uh, coming in at the last moment, using all of their energies, like half the, half the work time that they've been allotted for things that never really even made it. Cause they then changed their mind on it. And it's just really unfortunate that 
that's now becoming Marvel's, uh, at least in this sphere, sphere, their their personal brand now is kind of being tarnished by these just like bad review. Not 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 that these people aren't right, but like that that is the story coming out of the visual effects world that's happening right now um, in relation to uh, Marvel products right now. Yeah. And it looks like what they're, you know, they just try and throw more money at it. And then they also know, mm-hmm. okay, if a v- VFX house wants to kind of have a good resume, you, you gotta have a Marvel film on your resume. Like mm-hmm. you've got to get kind of that star power on there, but, yeah, nobody there's that line where you become you cross it when you think you're too big and too powerful and you can pretty much ask people to do whatever you want unrealistically. But yeah, that's it is a little crazy. I mean, the more and more I don't know if I I didn't feel this as much with Thor, but I definitely felt it with Doctor Strange where it's you just feel so much VFX coming at you. Yep. Um You know, and I think that's part of the reason why people love Top Gun so much is, you know, everything you're looking at is real. He's literally flying the plane. (laughs) Yes, there are. They all are. And, you know, and it really um, it makes a difference. I wonder if we'll I don't know. I I wonder, is there ever a tipping point with just the obscene use of VF VFX? You know, is, is there. Is there a saturation point where you're just kind of like, okay? Well, I'll tell you this. I know I that you. I know real. that you, I know that you know this because Miss Marvel was your favorite of all the of all the series that you watched. If you haven't heard Eddie's comments, absolutely favorite. Listen, yeah, to last episode big, if you if you didn't if you didn't already know. Ugh, this. Uh, but it's favorite. funny because that show, uh, the final scene, final episode in it, there's a whole scenario that like home alone style scenario that happens in a high school in that last episode and it's actually a ton of fun i finally watched the final episode that whole stuff was a ton of fun and there were lots and lots of practical jokes and things played on these agents and then they leave the building and then they go out into the front area kind of exposed like so that now the agents can find them and it then goes super visual effects heavy and it's like I would much rather go back to that. I would much rather be in this world. But in general, the special effects on most of these Marvel shows have been really subpar, especially once you go from like when we watched all those initial series that came out, then we got Black Widow and you're like, oh, this is what really good special effects looks like. And so it is funny that that saturation point you're talking about, how when when we spend all this time trying to make something really cool, when at the time, like actually practical stuff actually looks a lot better and it looks at well one it actually looks real well and i think you also have that element where uh black widow <laughs> it's weird to say this but it it felt more grounded in reality it's yep. it's visual effects and then you go to dr strange and you go to thor and it's you're not playing by the rules of physics nope. and the rules of reality and so the visual effects almost work less you know there's definitely some times in black widow where you're like "Uh, i don't know but because it's playing by the the general rules of of reality of nature you kind of your brain starts to to believe and make sense a little bit more there's something where it's so out there yeah it definitely it feels weird because they're inventing things that don't actually exist and they're taking it the only place where they actually exist are in comic books 
which aren't meant, weren't designed to look real. They're meant to be fantastic and, and crazy. And now they're having to, to change that and manipulate it. And they, I know they had to do a lot for Miss Marvel because um, they didn't want to do the whole stretchy feel. They had to create this new crystal thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've definitely hit a saturation point, but we're definitely hitting a, an inflection point with the people working on it, getting a lot of vibes from 2013 with all the chroma green that people were putting on their profiles and stuff as they were kind of boycotting Oscars at that time because they were mad about um, a big production house rhythm and Hughes went under while they were up for a best picture for VFX and while that picture Life of Pi was up and there's a lot of stuff. So I'm getting getting kind of sense of that right now, but I don't think it's really hit a boiling point. This is like the first wave of stuff we're kind of hearing about. So yeah, and sadly, you know, this isn't the first time Disney has thrown its weight. You know, it did some things like this in its picture distribution as well, just its distribution arm, where unless, you know, I think it was the last big one I heard a kerfuffle over was Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, that they put on theaters that if they didn't play it on so many screens, so many times a day, they weren't even going to let them have it at all. Yeah. And what it was doing is it was pushing out other movies so that other movies couldn't even be in the theater, the same theater as Star Wars. And so they start kind of, you know, pl- throwing that muscle around a little bit. And I don't know, just, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, you know, throwing down, throwing around the muscle just because you can or throwing around the money just because you can. Well, another way that they threw on the muscle is by not informing uh, all this parties. This is hilarious. I know this is the, this is funny. So another another kind of funny thing that just interesting thing that just happened is so Taika Waititi, uh, the director of Thor: uh, Love and Thunder, went I guess went to a screening or whatever one of the first ending screenings of uh, of the movie with Chris Hemsworth, and in the in the ending credits, spoiler alert, it says the thing that we all kind of wait for at the end of the film is, is will we actually see this character again? And it says Thor will return. And evidently he was not privy to this information <laughs> and said something yeah, effective, I, like according Taika to or, or Chris, or Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, you think you'd probably like give him kind of a heads up. Like maybe this is kind of uh, coming or something. I could maybe understand the director not knowing, but the guy who the actually guy? plays Thor. Yeah. He, so he said, I love, <laughs> uh, yeah, please read the quote. I love what he says in insider. Yeah. So insider.com has it, has this story. Uh, and he says, well, guess what? That was a surprise to me. So I'm not joking. I saw it in the theater and was like, Oh, really? Even Chris was like, what? But of course, well, he'll be back. He's the best character. I mean, I may be a little biased, but he's the most fun to watch. Uh, and then he goes on to say, Hey, I, I'd be interested in in doing a fifth film. He said the battles are all and all the fighting is fine, but I would want something that feels unexpected when it comes to the story, which is funny because that's all he that's what he does is he just creates an unexpected story in the things he chooses to do. So he's almost like saying, I don't want to do. I just did something. And now I want to go against that, even if I did a fifth Thor film. So I don't know if I, I don't know I if I'm be, really wanting that at this point. I, yeah, I don't know if I really want it. Uh, I w- I'm in- intrigued by that concept, though. It's kind of similar to what we were talking about with Jurassic World, where you can only have so much of everything's about to end. You know, oh, the world's going to be over. The world's going to be over. The world's going to be over. 
I I mean, one of the things that was great about the first few runs of the Marvel movies is everything felt smaller scale. Yep. You, you know, you think about that first. I mean, even the first Thor, it was pretty grandioso, but it was still it was just like this thing came to this small town in, in New Mexico. OK, yeah, isolated. Um, you know. Um, especially Iron Man. Iron Man felt just kind of like a very intimate story. I would love to see some of that kind of pull back. Give us a, I don't know, a very small scale thing. Black Panther. I felt the same thing, even though they're kind of on the verge of taking over. It definitely felt more, especially when he like gets rid of his powers. That's why I love so much about it. Cause it felt like there were real stakes involved and not like crazy stakes, but just like, no, this person can die. They're literally giving up their powers right now to as- assume the throne. Um, yeah, but I just thought it was, this story was funny that <laughs> just imagining a director who just made this film and then the studio puts in that last little piece of Thor will return. And it's just like, you, you didn't give them any heads up whatsoever. Just like, oh, I guess it's happening. And you're talking, looking at your star right now. Who's the reason this film got made? <laughs> well, does that, I mean, does that speak to, you know, last week we reviewed Thor and I think one of our, and we went through all of the phase four MCU and I think our number one critique has been just doesn't feel like we know where they're going. It doesn't yep. feel like they're building they're to something. Keeping the cards tight to their chest. Yeah, because that that's what made uh, those first two phases feel so good is you had these small, intimate stories, but you knew that they were connecting to something else bigger. You were holding the big for, you know, these big Avenger set piece movies. You know, maybe this kind of plays into that a little bit. You know, do they do they even know where they're going and what they're doing? Or are they just trying to throw some stuff out there, build a new palette, and then they'll come around to it? Seems like uh, Ant-Man 3 is going to be where they're going to reveal the next big major villain and like where where this is all going with potentially bringing in Kang the Conqueror finally. And at that point, it seems sure. like it's kind of pointed towards that. So that's in uh, February, I believe, of next year. 2023 is when we'll kind of get that. Um, but I'm super excited about that. But this is just a funny. <laughs> I just really loved this whole the whole I can just see them sitting in the theater and just being like dropping the popcorn. Like, what? Um, did you know that? Did you I didn't know, know that. I didn't, I didn't know that. But that's it. That's all the interesting things for today. Uh, we are going to be talking now about uh, a movie, classic film, iconic film, big sports hero. Eddie's a big sports balls guy, so he's very excited about this as well. Um, but we are here to talk today about uh, the 2000 classic, Remember the Titans. Cue the Disney sound effect. Sports balls. Okay. IMDB description for uh, Remember the Titans. The true story of a newly appointed African-American coach and his high school team on their first season as a racially integrated unit. A little bit of drama there. A little bit of drama. Eddie, do you remember uh, where you were when you first saw this film? Because I do. I don't know if I do. Uh, I can't remember if... I don't think we saw this in theaters. I think this was like a pick it up at Blockbuster, have a family movie night, and was an instant classic in the Ferguson household. 
Um, yeah. I also remember seeing clips being used as, do you remember this as like sermon illustrations? Oh, in yeah. Youth group? This thing got so, it, it went to another place immediately. It was the same effect that we got from the blind side, like yeah. a decade yes. later. This pre yeah. was the precursor. I don't know if there was, it must have been like chariots of fire, nothing than this. Like that's, that's what it, that's what it felt like when this came on the scene for me. So you, yeah, yeah. For, let me for, hear this. So where I first saw it, I'm pretty sure this is true. If I remember correctly, if I'm making this up, you'll never know. Uh, but back in the day, Eddie, do you remember what my, uh, what my, uh, job was in, uh, junior high you, and, and you used and to wash, there? used to wash and clean buses for your grandpa. The, after that so this is after that so i was never i only one year was able to make the basketball team as a basketball player so what i did to just be around because all my friends were on the team i was the manager oh yes manager yes of the team. that's what you're referring to mm-hmm. I, you said job so i was thinking money but yeah you're right it wasn't a real job it was a fake job but it got me on the team and it got me to go to all the places and be there with my friends but anyways so i did that many years other than sixth grade was the one year one year i, I was able to do it uh, be on the team. Uh, but so 2001 or 2002, when I was the manager on the, on the team, about a year after this movie came out, I was, uh, they, they had the whole basketball team over to somebody's house, one of the coaches house. And we watched it all together. It was like a team bonding experience and wow, this yeah. big ordeal. I remember. And it was like this big moment and stuff. Everyone loved the film, but it was like, learn about leadership and all these other, all these other things. So that was what's ingrained in my head is being in that room with all these other people that were actually good at basketball. And I was not. So watching a movie about football, about football, you know what? It's universal sport, sports ball movies. They're all, they're all universal. So is this, is this, I, I, I can't think of another uh, Disney sports movie. Is there one before this? I mean, definitely after Remember the Titans, it was like, we need to duplicate that model, right? Because after this is when we get everything. Coach Carter, um, the hockey film, the hockey um, miracle. Miracle. You get the rookie. The rookie is a big one that comes out next after this one. Um, And a couple others along those lines. Um, And then, I mean, ever since then, they're been churning out one every, every two to three years. But before Remember the Titans, I I can't, one that's a drama and serious, I I can't think of, you know, you've got your air buds, but you've got your angels in the outfield. That's what I'm saying. I don't have a sports memory, a sports movie memory that was on this level where like it was obviously supposed to be inspirational, supposed to be kind of like bringing us all together. Especially Disney. Yeah, you're right. From the Disney perspective. Well, let's be honest. We both grew up in Indiana, so there there are t- there are two untouchable sports movies for those who grow up in Indiana. Number one, by far, is Hoosiers. Hoosiers um, yep. might be the best sports movie ever made. Yep. The, my number two, it gets very close to it, but I know at least from where we're from in Indiana, there was people in our church who were in Hoosiers. Oh, there right. was. Hoosiers was filmed in Brownsburg at the old stadium, uh, the old um, um, gymnasium there. I mean, 
I I can't tell you how many times in my childhood somebody would be like, you know, they filmed Hoosiers right over there on that corner. You know, it's like, oh, really? Okay. Um, So, yeah, Hoosiers is like untouchable to us Hoosiers. And then on par, um, yeah, it's got to be on par, right? Is Rudy. To me, like. Rudy is the best football movie. Like there's no better football. I love Remember the Titans. I'm going to I'm going to be gushing over it this whole episode. But Rudy, Rudy is just one it's Sean Astin. I'm going to love Sean Astin. I was about to say what there there there's got to be a yet yeah, Sean Astin is the reason I can see for you. For sure, but like come on, it's Sean Astin. He's untouchable. The Goonies Rudy, Lord of the Rings, Bob, Bob. arguably the best character in all of Stranger Things. I don't I know love the, Ru- the Russian, the Russian guy, not the, not the, <laughs> not not the full Russian guy, but the 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 investigative reporter. He kind of he kind of really rocketed. Oh up, yes, up the yeah. Charts. This this last season too. So we come to remember the Titans, and this is they found a formula here, right? I think at the top of the formula is they found powerhouse actors. Like Denzel is Denzel in this movie. Is this movie nearly as good without him, though? No, it's not. He he takes it to another place, right? (laughs) And I mean, you have that with all the characters. I mean, there are some really good actors in this movie. But by far, yes, it is Denzel Washington who holds this movie. But you get a, a young, a very young Ryan Gosling in this movie. Oh yeah, he's uh, like the he's like the tenth. Wood Harris, Will Patton, uh, a young Hayden Panettiere yep. is in this movie. Um, Kate Bosworth is yeah. a very minor character in this, and then she goes on to be in some yeah. superhero, uh, some Superman films. Yeah, so you remember Ethan Suppley from all like that that large guy. And what's crazy is now he's lost like 200 pounds or something and is now like a bodybuilder and has a whole Mm -hmm. new career now in what he's doing. We also got Donald Faison from uh, Scrubs is in this as well. And just a lot of guys that you've obviously seen before and you just haven't seen Will Patton as coach Bill, Bill Yost. But yeah, I mean, you can't. To talk about any of those without first talking about the the work of Denzel Washington in this film, which definitely you need that extra level star power to get it to be so iconic as as it became. Well, I mean, you to have a good sports movie, um, you have to have at least one, if not multiple, incredible, like almost Shakespearean. Coach speech. <laughs> yep. You need the speech from the coach that feels like it is lifted straight from the pen of the bard himself. And this movie has a few, several. like w- w- several. Will Patton has a few as Coach Yost, but definitely Denzel's got a several, like um, this is his no dem- speech about so let me- the Titans yep. ruling their universe and this is our universe, like that whole moment. This is no democracy. This is dictatorship, and I'm the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, who's, who's your, your daddy? Yeah, who's your, oh my? Who's your daddy? You know who your daddy is, don't you? 
Jared, who's your daddy? If if you want to play on this team, you got to tell me. Is this your team or your daddy's team? <laughs> but I think in the the moment that turns that I don't think anybody else could have pulled this off is when they're at camp, they go for the early morning run. Oh yeah. And they're all and he's winded and they get to the graveyard of Gettysburg and there's the mist and he's kind of speaking with a little bit of, you know, he's out of breath from the run. And he just gives this most, like, it's so moving. Like, it's beautifully written. It's a wonderful scene and a great script. But the delivery, because you could easily over-deliver that scene. You could easily over-dramatize that. And he just, just slides it in on just such a perfect level where it hits even more. Like, you don't. I don't need you to oversell this. Just the whole imagery that just got painted is enough. But then he just kind of taps it over just perfectly enough that, man, it's just that's an that's probably one of my uh, top five favorite scenes in this. So we got to talk about uh, his coaching uh, style or his uh, the way that he coaches. That is probably the one the the most. It's funny. It's like there, this movie is heavy on a lot of serious topics, which I'm sure we'll get to in here in a second. But it's funny is the thing that popped out to me as the thing that does not age well in this is the types of camps he ran and what you are aren't allowed to do for the players when you're training them you mean, and stuff like you that. mean you can't let you can't withhold water can't from them water from them like this, this these are all things that they that they like made i don't know not outlawed isn't the right word for it but like basically uh force them that like you literally can't do this to kids like these are oh still yeah kids. like <laughs> there's so many laws and rules you can't do this for adults anymore even like there's heat, rules about two heat stroke is a real thing heat stroke will you know actually kill you now yeah wolves don't wolves don't eat uh wolves coming after humans is not a real thing <laughs> but heat stroke that's a real thing it's it's been a while since we've called that one up but. so it was just funny watching this like his his whole approach to coaching would not a there's no way that even any player nowadays would ever take him seriously. But in the moment when you're in there and you're thinking about this being a more of a period piece and stuff like you're back in those, those times, like you get it, you follow it, you see, that's just the way things were back then. Uh, so it's just funny watching, uh, watching that going like none of this is, they could, they wouldn't do any of this in a modern day, in the modern day coaching. It's funny. It, it is fun to watch the it is fun to watch the camp sequence because you get um I don't know I, I I appreciated the talking about a difficult subject uh talking about an important subject but it never felt preachy yep. it never felt like you were like and and so much of that because it was driven by good story it was driven by great character um, and that camp sequence in particular, you just learned this beautiful lesson of getting to know who the person is, not what you what you think the person is. Yep. Um, and you have just some really comical, some really heartfelt moments. 
And that moment that you feel Julius and Jerry bonding, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you realize, boom, they've just become friends. It is. uh, It's friends. (laughs) Yeah. It's an emotional moment. You know, it It is is a very kind, you know, and I think that's what surprised me about rewatching this. I'm a, you know, I suffer from sweaty eye syndrome to begin with. <laughs> this, but this movie, there are several moments where it's a, it, not like, oh, I'm bawling my eyes out or whatever, but it like, you just kind of feel that frog in your throat kind of thing. I don't know if you felt this at all. The first time he it said, definitely moves you. The first time he says strong side and there's like that way, yeah. kind of like that, that in between part. And he's like, uh, and then he goes for, and then they go into it and they're just going back and forth, back and forth. That was, that was left side, strong side, left side, strong. But then, oh man, it pays off so beautifully when they go into the hospital and he does it again. And it's just like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost weeping right now. It was so I'm, I, yes, I, I, yeah, you, you nailed it straight on the head with that one. It is such a, a strong moment. Even, you know, all of the beats through the different games, they do gameplay so well. And I think that's what is important here in a sports film is you need to believably looking like they're actually playing football. You need believably feel like they're watching football and you need to help me feel like I'm watching a whole game without me watching just the highlight reels. And they, they, just the pacing of those moments in this film are so good, are so well done. And I would give that over to editing. I don't know who edited this movie, but they just make such great choices in how they pace the editing and give us some pausing, give us some moments, and then, you know, speed it up and we get the, you know, the different cuts and the the moving around of pieces. It's not like we, and we don't get brought into every game at the very end. It's like, okay, here's just the big moment you need to know. It's like, they got some ups, they got some downs, they got some plays that go their way, don't go their way. It feels very natural and not, okay, we're just going to give you how we blew them out. And then we went on. It's like, there was a little bit of tug and tussle. This new, we have a new, new coach that, you think is oh this is the really bad coach, but he's not even the the worst one or not worst, but um, the hardest one of them all. Um, then you get uh, kind of different different looks at it. They they have different moments inside of the game, whether it's PD getting pulled from the game or coming in on defense, and then you get the no, back and forth. Yeah. The other thing I noticed that's a great. You, you, oh, sorry, I was going to say like I love that you feel like you get an arc of the of the players' season even though we're just kind of hopping in, seeing mm-hmm. these moments from the different games. When you said PD, that's what it made me think of that. You kind of just feel their arc within the game itself, within the movie itself, even though you're watching these brief little moments across several different games. Something I noticed from just their choice of shot selection was a lot of films now, you got to like have the wide sweeping shot, see a massive crowd filling up a stadium, all those big jib shots and stuff. No, all of this was really tight, tight angles, mm-hmm. tight shots. You could kind of see they they could do a lot of this practical because they only needed enough people to fill in kind of in the background or it was just the way they shot. It was very intimate, very close. Um, and and the the nice, the the way that they cut around everything was you never felt like, oh no, we're, this is low budget by any means, but it was very, um, 
you didn't have that that level where you're back out and you go oh this kind of feels cheap or like we're getting this fake kind of feel to it's like no all of this felt very real like when we're seeing people we're seeing people not just like digitally altered people kind of like what we were talking about earlier just like the more practical the better but i thought that was interesting just seeing the very tight choices of angles and shots for all of this stuff and it kind of gave me not claustrophobic but really tight like you're right in the middle of it yes yes i think a lot of the gameplay you feel like you know, you're in the huddle with them and the camera angle is it's not like one crazy up from tie up top high it's like no i'm literally like if i was walking past or i was on the field like as a ref nearby I'm one of the players yeah um and then you get uh in the in-between shots, some more kind of steady, uh, more established shots that kind of just slow that pace down a little bit, which I wonder what the if it's the contrast with those that kind of helps those uh, game scenes feel that much more intense with it all. Can we spend a little moment of just like being fans of Hayden Panettiere and how she steals almost every single <laughs> scene that she's in? Even though she's you like kind of, six in this film, you kind of a, you're kind of annoyed with her, but then you no, aren't. Yeah. Like it works, but it. The best yeah, part, I the mean, best she's part a, though, is she's like, a bratty little girl, but you love her. You're endeared to her. And I don't even know if bratty is the right word. She just like loves football so much more than anybody else in this entire film does. She cares sure, sure. so deeply. And I think that's probably the fan in us where like, this is how I feel when I watch the Colts lose another game and Andrew Luck doesn't come back and I feel heartbroken. Uh, but but <laughs> even how she's like trying to like tell the coach like what to do. He's like, you need to do that. And, and, and she like gives him a compliment. It's like, you did, you done good coach. And he's like, wow, I've never been given compliment by a, by a six year old. I'm 12. Uh, but her, her relationship and her, the dichotomy between her and the coach's daughter is great every time they're they're together and she just wants to play with dolls and she just wants to play football and watch game film i love those interactions and and the girl has such great one-liners when she's like are all white girls this this crazy <laughs> like i just love all of those like little moments and just like how it's like yes this girl is way crazier like way different than like the normal just like midwest midwestern girl or southern girl or whatever I, I like that you bring her up because I think one of the interesting choices that they made in this movie was making her the narrator. Yep. And you only and that you only really get her as the narrator at the very beginning and at the very end. Um, that is an interesting choice. It's a very interesting choice, and I thought about that. I wonder if that was a does it work uh, or is it kind of odd, strange? I like it. it. I like it. I like that we start at the funeral and you don't know who the funeral is for. Um, and she sets the tone from there because immediately, you know, okay, this is not a Disney comedy sports film. This is going to be serious. This is going to, um, this is going to be moving. This is going to pull at you emotionally. It kind of sets that tone immediately. But then the way it comes around at the end it's not, it is somber, but you don't end on a somber note. You know, it's, it becomes a very celebratory moment, um, especially when you realize that it's Bertier's funeral and that, you know, you're kind of at this um, reunion of the Titans. Um, 
I felt like it worked for me. I just thought it was a unique choice to kind of make her the the narrator of this. The thing is, though, I think for me, I think you're right on the on the setup, but it almost felt like they should have carried that through. It did give it the sense of, hey, this is a story, almost like a fable um, kind of feeling to it. But I forgot about it until the very, very end. Like after we were in, like I'm I, in and I'm like, shouldn't we have had but like, I wonder, more of this? But I wonder if, you know, subtly that's what makes her character work so well throughout the movie is because you kind of tucked back in the uh, back of your mind. You know, she's the thread through all of this, because even if you watch her arc, she is the arc of the movie, of the whole community, of the whole team, of the whole school. And her arc really helps you see in a more comical way, because she's definitely got some of the more some more lighthearted moments, but then some more serious moments. You see, you know, she is a representative of the whole story. Eddie, you nailed it. Nailed it on the head. I, I see, didn't even see that before. <laughs> I I love this movie. And as I came to the end of it, and I'm not even gotten to one of my favorite parts of this whole movie. So, and we will get there. But before we get there, I do. I got to the end of this viewing and I felt like I don't know what I would change. Like, I, I feel like this is an almost, if not totally perfect movie i can't i couldn't even think of anything either and i've been trying to reinvestigate it in my head not necessarily what i would change but it's just tight it's got every you know the the pacing is so well done you've got a large cast but you don't get lost you're not confused about who's who um they zoom in and zoom out when is necessary um Looking at little nit, maybe that's where we're at. Nitpicks on this. I don't know if, and maybe this is just because this is 2000. If they made this film today, it'd be different. But they, with the California kid, the kid from California, they didn't totally, and maybe that was the idea of like make it a ambiguous thing. But his the kiss that he does on that he has with the with one of the other players and kind of freaks him out. Yeah. It's never really like clarified. Was this supposed to be just a joking thing or was this really supposed to be something else underneath it? Um, I think if they did this today, they would have been a lot more blunt with that than than they were. Uh, there was some of that level of and I, I, it's, was this just a joke or was this actually who this character is? They didn't really clear some of that up. And I didn't know if you had kind of well, felt the you- same same thing. No, I didn't feel it because I think you have that moment where he comes to Pratir, I think it's at the end of camp or whatever. And he's just like, we're all good, man. He's like, yeah, we're all good. And I just kind of felt like that is the resolution of of whatever that was, maybe more of a of it being more of kind of a joke. Um, But I think that's why this works as a 2000 film and wouldn't work as a 2022 film. They'd have to go. I think it was. If it was made today, you're going to have to be having a vote LGBTQ character. You'd have to. And I well, and it's not even just about having the character. I, I my bigger thing there is this story stands on its own. Don't preach it to me. Don't yep. explain to me why this story works. 
just tell don't me explain the joke. good <laughs> exactly maybe that's just, just because i've got i've gotten so um maybe conditioned to the i don't know if conditioned is the right word but i've got conditioned to be to have more of these kind of scenarios there's got to be like a hey yeah, i need to come out and cl- tell you the cl- truth cl- moment i kind of near the end yeah. like hey actually i really am this like i've just been so especially for disney having just those don't. kind of moments become more hey, you got to at least come out at some point to somebody in here. And I think maybe that's where it's like, I've been trying to put my lens of this was 2000. This was 22 years ago. Crazy to think about and now. It, well, it is really crazy to think that was over two decades ago that this came out. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I just doubled down on that of uh, the movies coming out today. I feel like every... I'm okay with directors having a point of view and a, and a movie having a point of view and wanting to say something. Don't preach it at me. Don't shove it down my throat. Don't explain it to me so heavy. Don't and explain. don't have things in there just for the sake of having something in there. No, it's got to be, at the end of the day, it's a movie. It's got to be a good story, well told. It's got to be care about characters, characters that I yeah. care about. Yeah, and I think that's why no matter no matter what, this movie feels such so perfect, like just across the board is I care about these characters deeply. This story is compelling and it's moving. You've got amazing actors. It's well shot, well edited. And I'm going to get to the moment. Here it is. Arguably the best movie soundtrack, like so stinking good. <laughs> Like well-written score, but then the record drops in this, like the the needle drops in this are so good. I, that was the other thing about this movie that I remember so, you know, so distinctly is buying this soundtrack and listening to it on CD over and over because you get Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Spirit in the Sky, Peace Train, um, so many other really great uh, needle drops in here. But then the score itself, Titan's spirit, took its, a life of its own, right? Like the, the, the historic um, nomination and election of President Barack Obama, they used this for everything. This was the score of his nomination oh. and, 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 and um, being sworn in as victory speech and his election night win. This was playing under all of those moments. And I remember those so distinctly going, wait, they're using the Remember the Titans theme. This is perfect. Like, this just fits really well. Not just because of the the, the story content, but because of the music. It is so, you know, stirring. It feels historic oh, when you listen to it on its own. So to me, also the score and the the, the soundtrack is, it's just perfect. The song selection throughout this movie just comes at the right moment. Oh, this is such a great song. I mean, it also helps that the era that they're in is arguably the best era of popular music, but that's for another podcast. That's for another podcast. Another another episode. When you didn't even hit on the viral warm-up song, the We Are the Titans, My My Titans, that probably every high school in America cribbed and used for themselves at some point that year or the the like for about half a decade everybody was using that warm-up and at least the chant themselves um oh yeah and some some capacity in some different way for sure 
Was there any suspense left in what this gets rated? I, I think like we're there. We we're not. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, Eddie. We still got more. We still got more things. Oh, you've got more. I got more. I mean, we've gone this entire thing without talking about what this, what the majority of this film until like basically the last third isn't about this, but the majority of this film is about the race struggle, about race struggle in America, specifically at that time. And to not even spend any time on it would would be like we didn't even watch the film. I it was it's funny. Oh, I felt I felt like we had touched it. Sorry. So I. So I, it's funny watching it and being like, maybe it's because I was 14, 15 when I first saw this film, but it's funny to say, but it's true for me. I, I, I forgot the level of, uh, that it dealt with race and it's the entire, especially the first two, like two thirds of this film it's not really that it's not as much of a sports movie as it, as it is constantly having the battle between the, uh, between but in, in the, in this community and seeing the progression of it's funny that like, it just it, like more wide eyed to me now being uh, so much older than I was at the time and having more experiences and hearing more stories, but it's just interesting. Like how, even despite that, even though it's like, let's sit down and watch a movie about race. Like, don't know how excited a lot of people are to do that when most people are trying to have a lean back experience and just sit and be entertained. But it's crazy to have a movie so heavily about that, yet carry you along so well and so delicate, not even delicate, like at times it was kind of right up in your face. But it, I never felt like you said preached at. And I think probably because one of the best moments in this is that level of just a whole uh, friendship side of things like that is where people kind of came together is when they really became united and as friends as people who actually wanted to be around each other not just a i understand you i understand you let's move on which is what a lot of the times they were just like let's just get the facts and just move on but there was an actual kinship of friendship that's why um when they're in the uh hospital at the end it's so heartbreaking when julius finally comes into the hospital to be there with him. Um, it's <laughs> well, that's the moment. That's the moment I, I lose it. Start losing just, it. Yep. Uh, ugly cry. Right. Oh, ugly cry. No. The, well, the comment and then no, his the, comment, uh, that's my brother. Don't you see, don't you see the family resemblance? See the family resemblance. <laughs> no, it, 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 I, so the, the thing that I do remember you had asked about watching this for the first time. I think the, the, what stands out to me was this facilitated a conversation with my parents because my parents grew up in this era and um, were a part of the desegregation. You know, they saw it happening in their schools. Oh, wow. And it facilitated the conversation of me. You know, I I mean, I was aware of some of these things, but definitely didn't, not to the degree that one should be. Um. You know, there. I think that's what good storytelling should do: is draw you in to help make you aware of something that otherwise you you would be ignorant when you don't have of. That, when you don't and have that personal experience yourself. Yep. I mean, in many ways, it, it's for me. It's akin to in what would that have been? Maybe fifth grade when we read Numbering the Stars. Yep. And that was the first real introduction that I had to the Holocaust. Oh yeah. And you heard, and you had this incredible story about this young girl um, 
and you're taking a very, you know, those are, are two very, yeah. I mean, they're, they're two tragedies on, on, you know, pretty severe levels being shared in, in very, um, intimate specific ways through a very, um, a, a special story that I think has a way of explaining, uh, showing something that happened um, in a way that you feel it, that you understand it. Um, maybe another film that gets close to this would be The Help. I love that movie. It's got a, a very a, 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 the same topic, but just from a different perspective. Incredible characters, amazing story, so well delivered. Um, you know that you you feel the same, um, the long struggle for reconciliation, mm-hmm. for the the long struggle for restoration is really the better way of putting that. Of like, even though we had put off the bounds of such a grievous sin, there was. You know, a a sin that great is going to have natural consequences and lasting pain that, you know, a hundred years later, they were still, you know, working through it in such grievous ways. And this movie has uh, a powerful way of uh, of helping you feel the long restoration of such a grievous sin. Awesome. That's really good. I don't have anything to follow up on that because that was a good. It's almost like you do this. Did for I a get? Living. Did I get a little going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I do this for a living. No, I, I, um, this is good art. You know, this is what good art should do. Yep. Great storytelling should stir our our attention, our affections to to greater things, to better things. See, Eddie, you weren't done. You weren't ready to rate this yet. You still, you needed to. We could have we, we could have missed this to... moment. We could have missed this moment, <laughs> so that everybody can hear me pontificating wildly. That's what we need. We need more pontificating. You don't get this when you're when you're listening to the Mister Magoo episode because <laughs> there's just nothing. Well, that, there there's you go. There there's... you go. And, and and maybe this is why this stands out to us so much is um, not every movie is going to be this is is going to be Remember the Titans, and that that's why. There's going to be others that we follow up with on this list that are are good, that are decent sports movies, but just doesn't rise to the same level as this. Like Airbud. Um, like Airbud. But I mean, I also, you know, okay, The Rookie, it's a good movie, but it doesn't get to this level, not at all. Um, Miracle, Miracle's a good movie, and it kind of tugs at some some good patriotic moments and speaks to what was going on in the next decade in the seventies, but you're not, you're not anywhere near the same level, mainly because the subject matter is so heavy in this one. It's such a a serious subject matter. When you, when you get great football, like actual accurate football, other than the fact that they said 15 more yards, that's not a real penalty. Sorry, but you don't get 15 extra yards for stuff. You only get one penalty on there. Uh, then you've got Denzel. Get the Denzel effect automatically skyrockets it. Great supporting cast along with it. Um, and then great writing, great storytelling. But then you also got a great subject matter in that that kind of takes it to a whole other level. And all of this 
is why I'm giving this five gummy worms. Right there with you. It's a resounding five gummy worms. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've, I've said it all. I've poured it all out there. This might be one of those movies that, yeah, we, we might have to do another Mount Rushmore. And this, this would definitely be on the Mount Rushmore for the 2000s for the odds five five year five years of 2000s that we'll cover before we some at some someday in this podcast do you not do you know what you call the first decade because you've got like the teens and the 20s and the 30s it's the aughts i knew you'd know this i knew you would have this at the tip we we were both in the music man it's brought up in the music man that's I learned it from being in the Music Man. I distinctly remember that moment. What do you talk? What do you talk? We talk. We talk, talk about the nineteen hundreds and talk, the talk, talk all you want. But it's different. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. But you got another territory. See, I don't. I know all. I don't that. remember lyrics. I'm surprised because I, I only it's, know that you are you are in gone. that scene though. Were you in that scene? No, the opening scene of Music Man. No, I Man. wasn't. See, that's why. Once you had to learn it all and be in it, other than that's John, right. poor were, John, poor John, never could get. We you talk, you can bicker, and it just always fell apart with them. I'm sorry, man. Still trying, still trying to get over that. The rest of us had it, but I was the constable. You were one of the salesmen. That I, minor role, minor minor character in that, but both. My Mine wife, was my sister was well. Maid Marian, so yes. she. Uh, That's right. That's right. But this there. is not about this. The music band. It's a resounding resounding five gummy worms from both of us for uh, what we would term a Disney classic and remember the Titans. And with that, your life has been forever changed by another episode of this classic, Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review or you can even better Go in there, click on the little share button, send this link over to one of your best friends who you think would also like this podcast. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com where you can see our full movie list as we continue to go through all the Disney movies that came out in our childhood, 1988 to 2005, including next week's episode when we will review 102 Dalmatians. Another round of Glenn Close. Thank you for listening, and remember, your Hall of Fame in my book.